0: You are listening to the teaching
1: podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. We have come.
2: you alone we join the choir of angels caught up in endless praise our God is strong and mighty he shall reign open up the heavens open up the heavens as we lift you high worship you alone. We join the choir of angels, caught up in endless praise. Our God is strong and mighty. He shall reign. He shall reign. God. to your family, your blood flows through my veins, and I'm no longer a slave.
3: Is Neva Verhuis. I'm with the children's ministry here at our church. And our doers of the word this month is the shoe boxes. And in the past we've always done the shoe boxes, but we have collected our own shoe boxes. We thought this year wouldn't it be fun if we did a packing event? And so what we're doing this month is collecting money to purchase the shoe boxes. And I have an example, the one that we're hoping to collect more of, we have right now purchased 36 of the plastic ones, and you can do, can use the cardboard ones, but they will break down there. This is a tool that they can actually use. It can keep their belongings in it. They can uh, carry things in it. It can actually be a functional gift for them. So that's what we're hoping to collect money to purchase more. Right now, we have purchased 36. And with the money that we had collected last time we were at church, we are able to send 11 of them. It's $9 a box to send these to the different countries. And that's why I selected this video so that you had an idea, you know, they're going on boat, they're going on plane, they're going by camel. It's quite a process to get them to the country that they're going. So that nine dollars actually is a very needed tool to get the boxes to them. Right now, We are still collecting money for the box. We're still collecting gifts, too. And if you're interested in continuing to shop for that, we're still needing soaps and hand washcloths. We're needing school supplies. And probably one of the big things is a wow gift. Um, It could be a doll or a stuffed animal or a truck or a ball with a pump. Um, We need to remember it has to fit in a shoebox size. So that's what we're aiming for. It might you might be thinking, "Ooh, this is big and wonderful," but we want to. It needs to get into this box. I'm going to remind you that we cannot send candy, toothpaste, gum. Uh, they don't want used or damaged goods. No war-related figures, um, food, chocolate, seeds, fruit roll-ups. Um, liquids, lotions, medications, vitamins, anything breakable, please do not send. Um, We really appreciate how much everyone has given. If I could take you downstairs and look in the second classroom, you would be amazed at how much has already been collected. So we want to add to that collection. I'm also going to put in another little plug Something that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks, we are doing a COVID senior shut-in care package for the um, many members that are not able to come to church yet. They're feeling that it's not safe, that they're older, or their families are wanting them to wait. We're going to put together packets that they have a week worth of activities. And um, we're asking for, like, coloring books, um, adult coloring books, books. Um, We're asking for hidden word puzzles, um, crossword puzzles, tea bags. Um, There is a whole list. Janie has put together a list of things on the welcome table. It's a half sheet of blue paper there to grab if you would be interested in donating that. We've already received donations. And so it'll be fun to put together. My mother has been in lockdown for 14 days. Well, I think it's almost 23 days now because everything else has happened down there. She's at Kentucky Ridge and I had put together a little pack for her, uh, something to open up every day. And I had stopped and did a window visit with her one day, and I had shared this with some of the girls, it was so cute, she had said, um, she was shredding papers, and uh, she said, but I didn't get to that card pack you gave me yesterday, and I see I have another card pack and I'm still shredding papers, I'm gonna have to take a nap. And so, but it gives them something to do, it's good motivation, and so we thought, wouldn't that be fun that they have a book of um, hidden word puzzles, or crossword puzzles, something that they can work on, But it reminds them that they're loved and that they're cared for. Thank you.
0: Jesus, why are you doing anything today? Hmm? I mean, like, when I read the Bible, I see you do these incredible things, you know, like raising the dead and healing the sick and feeding the 5,000. Right. Why doesn't that kind of stuff happen today? Well, Drew, things are still happening all around you. Uh, I'm not seeing it. Like, for example, I'm thirsty and I want some water. Uh, do you have any water for me? Well, of course you don't. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like you don't even care about me. No. Drew, things are still happening, even today. You just need to pay attention. Okay.
1: Hey, Drew, I just Hi. went to the store and they're having to buy one, get one free. What? You want a water? Yeah. Okay, enjoy.
0: Oh, <laughs> mm. oh yeah. Huh? Mm. That's great! That is great. Now, you didn't have the water, right? then you had it. Boom. I know, it's so lucky that Cat walked by, you know, with two for one. Did you say lucky? Well, yeah. No, Drew, you didn't have the water. Right. You needed it, then you had it. You see how that works? Huh? Oh, I Uh. see what you're doing. Oh, I'm so rude, I'm sorry. Hey, Kathleen, thank you so much for the water. (laughs) Appreciate it. Now, would you show me something amazing? Amazing. Yeah, I wanna see amazing things, you know? Like Moses parting the Red Sea. That was amazing, right? How about the next time I'm stuck in traffic? I hit the steering wheel, the cars will split, and I cruise on through. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. I have a better idea. Keep your eyes open. Okay, I d- oh, excuse me. Yes. Hey, you oh. uh, dropped your wow. wallet. Wow, thank you. Sure, no problem. Okay, show me something amazing. Yes, amazing. of course. Um, right. yeah. Excuse me. Yeah.
1: yeah. You didn't take anything from my wallet.
0: Whoa, whoa, I'm not a thief, right? No. No, you dropped your wallet, I picked it up and gave it back to you. Droppy picky, givy, no takey.
1: I know, you know,
0: thanks for your honesty. Here's 20 bucks. What? Wait, hold on. She just gave me $20 for counteracting gravity? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, that is amazing. Oh man, how awesome. Now, would you show me something big? Excuse me? Show me something big. Drew, how can I expect you to see me in the big things? when you can't even see me in the little things.
1: I wanna kinda just announce really quickly, um, we were, uh, we didn't meet last uh, week just because of a concern that we had over kind of an active case of COVID um, in the congregation. So we kinda just took a break last week. Our hope was, was to announce last week that we are gonna just kinda do a Q and A after services today for those uh, who are fairly new to the church. I know we've had uh, those coming from the Vineyard um, and just some other individuals that were interested in learning a little bit more about who we are here uh, at Praise. And so our, our intent was to announce that last week do that this week. So uh, we're just going to kind of move things back a week. So I'm announcing it today that next Sunday, uh, following services, we're just going to kind of, after services, we'll kind of have a little bit of a transition time. And then we're just going to kind of come back in the congregation. And it's just, again, an opportunity for anyone interested, especially those uh, who are fairly new to the church. Those of you that maybe have come from the vineyard, others of you that maybe have been attending uh, for a while and and you feel like you just want to learn a little a little bit more about the church. I'll have some things to share. We'll open it up for kind of a Q&A. So if you have questions, I'll do my best uh, to kind of answer those questions. But again, we just we want to be able to kind of um provide that opportunity because it's going to kind of be leading up to uh, offering membership classes I believe we're doing that August 9th uh, we're going to be offering baptisms August 16th uh, we've kind of got some things uh, that are going to be kicking off in September so it kind of just gives me an opportunity to kind of talk about uh, some of those things with those of you who are new uh, to the church uh, to kind of give you an idea of uh, some things that are coming up that might be of interest um, to you that that. that are are new here. So we'll do that next Sunday uh, following um, services. I'm gonna kind of just invite you to stand. We've kind of been doing this for uh, a a while where we've kind of been praying this prayer. And this is a prayer that I've been asking us as a congregation to pray together on a daily basis, it is a prayer that's kind of based on Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16, and uh, we're just gonna kind of pray that together. This is kind of our focus. Uh, This is part of what we're asking God uh, to do in in this uh, time where we're just in the season of just uncertainty uh, of what God is uh, doing, but we know that God has a plan, right, amen? We, we believe God has a plan, and I believe part of that plan is based off of Ephesians 4, 11 through Sixteen. I believe part of God's plan is going to involve the prophets, the apostles, uh, the evangelists, the pastors, uh, and the teachers. I believe part of God's plan again is going to be through activating and using the spiritual gifts that He's placed within each and every believer. And so we're going to we're just praying this together as a congregation. We're just standing in unity uh, on the Word of God. We're again trusting that God has a plan and. Plan part of that plan finds its foundation upon this uh, very scripture from Ephesians 4. So we're just gonna pray that um, together this morning. Uh, Father God, we ask you for these gifts Christ gave to the local church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Empower them and make them responsible to equip God's people to do your work and build up the local church, the body of Christ. May this continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of your son Jesus Christ that we will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We ask, Father God, that you would raise up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers in this church stir up these gifts among us. As these gifts powerfully and effectively work among us, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Christ Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We ask you this for the universal church throughout the earth and for our church. Praise Community Church, amen. You may be seated. Now, I want you to understand when, when we when we pray and Paul talks about this part in here, he says, as each part, he's referring to you, every one of you are a part of this. God has a plan and a purpose for you in this. And Paul says, as each person, as each part does its own special work. And that special work is as the prophet, the apostle, uh, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. It's your spiritual gift as each part does its special ordained called work. It helps the other parts grow, Paul says, so that the whole body, all of us here, are healthy, growing, and full of love. Now, I want you to understand the opposite of that is also true. If you are not doing your special part, your called, ordained, destined, God-given part in the local body, it hinders our growth. It holds us back. And so I just wanna encourage you, find out what that is if you don't know what that is. It's part of why we're offering the Spiritual Gifts class is to help equip people, to help them to understand what that is. Because again, we wanna be a body that is growing, that is healthy and full of love. And we cannot do that if every part is not doing what God has equipped it to do, amen? So I've placed, if you're new here this morning or you've lost them or you haven't yet gotten one, I've got those up here. I've also got the prayer based on Ephesians chapter 12, of, 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 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where Paul kind of talks about all the different gifts. This again is part of that special part that, that God is equipping and calling us to do. So I've got that prayer there, and I'm asking you to kind of pray through that as well. Because when you're praying through that, as you're kind of going through and you're praying for those different spiritual gifts, you're praying for people in the congregation. You're praying so that those people, that have the gift of healing would come to understand and recognize they have that gift of healing and that God is equipping them, that God is calling them, that God is empowering them to rise up and to use that gift of healing in the body of Christ. When you're praying for the gift of prophecy, and that again is that ability to encourage, to edify, to comfort one another. When you're praying for that gift of prophecy to rise up in the congregation, you're praying indirectly for those people people who have that prophetic gifting. And as you're praying for that prophetic gifting to rise, you're praying for those people to rise up in that calling. So they're coming here on Sunday mornings. They're coming here when we're gathering together as a body, and they're prepared to be releasing the prophetic gifting where they're edifying, they're encouraging, they're comforting believers. And so as you kind of take that prayer in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as you begin to pray for those uh, spiritual gifts, you're praying uh, for the people uh, whom God has gifted with those, again, to rise up and to take their place in the body. Uh, And again, when when we do this, God is going to bring unity. God is going to bring growth. He's going to bring harmony in the body. So it's very, very important to get a hold of that. I've also made a third one because the thing that is so important, and you'll understand as you're kind of praying through 1 Corinthians 12, why Paul follows up with 1 Corinthians 13. And that is the love chapter. And Paul makes it very, very clear. You know what? We can all be raised up in our uh, giftings and our callings. We can have an abundance of prophets, of you know, evangelists, of uh, uh, apostles, of pastors, of teachers. We can have all of the gifts flowing in the congregation, but Paul says if there is no love, if there's no agape, if there's no God's love flowing in any of that, he says it's, it's completely useless. So we've gotta make sure that everything we're doing, every office that's raised up, every spiritual gifts that, that is being utilized, we must make sure that all of that is operating out of love. And if you don't see how important love is in the way we express ourselves, just look around in our culture today. There's just, there's a lack of love in a lot of people's responses and, and how we're responding to you know, the virus, how we're responding to the face mask, how we're responding you know, to uh, whatever. Uh, there's just a lack of love. And, and when that is flowing in, in the church where all the giftings and all the offices are fully operational but there is no love, it, it's just, it, Paul said it's like a clanging cymbal. It, it's, like, it's, it's like this annoying bottle of water falling on the floor. So, so I've made uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I've kind of done uh, uh, front and back on that, two different translations, and I've intentionally used the word agape in the place of love. Because I want you to understand when it talks about agape is kind, agape uh, you know, keeps no record of wrong. I want you to understand that is God's love. That is the love by which God loves us. Um, And and that's the kind of love that that God wants to release in this congregation. It's the kind of love that he wants us to love one another with. It's the the kind of love that the father loved the son with. It's it's the love that the son loves us with. It's agape love. So I just wanna encourage you uh, to pick those up, take those, and let's just keep pressing in, focused, unified in praying what I believe that God is is going to do. Because this is one of these little things. I don't mean little in in terms of insignificant. It's very significant. But this is one of these little things that's going to begin to bring tremendous fruit. It's gonna begin to bring tremendous impact. Um, and, And so do not look at this and say, it, this is a little thing. This is not a big deal. I'll, I'll leave this for the prayer warriors. No, 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 no. This is the little thing for all of us because it's going to yield very, very uh, important and impactful uh, results. Amen? So I just encourage you to pick those up uh, and I'll have those available uh, on a weekly basis. This morning, I kind of want to begin a series of messages that I really feel kind of God has kind of just put upon my heart uh, to really kind of talk about um, the opening chapters of the book of Revelation. I specifically kind of want to focus on chapters two and three. And in chapter two and three of the book of Revelation, you will find there are seven letters that are written uh, to seven churches. Uh, They come from uh, the risen Christ, uh, who is glorified, and and they're given to uh, his disciple, uh, John. Now, contrary to popular opinion, a lot of times when you mention the book of Revelation, I was actually uh, in, a, in a Methodist church when I was back in uh, Davenport that I attended after I'd become a Christian. The pastor there believed and taught um, that the book of Revelation barely made it in the Bible by the skin of its teeth. That was his understanding, his belief, his approach to the book of Revelation. So he never taught on it and completely dismissed the impact of that book. Now, contrary to, and part of that really kind of comes out of is because people have been led to believe that the book of Revelation is too difficult to understand. There's too many signs, too many symbols. I don't understand all of that. And so we kind of buy into this idea that the book of Revelation simply cannot be understood. And nothing could be, co- could be further from the truth because the book of Revelation was simply written to be easily understood by everyone. You have to understand that back in the day uh, in 60, or or in, uh, in 90 AD when John wrote this book, it was 60 years after Christ had risen from the dead, when John wrote this book back in 90 AD, the vast majority of people were poor and uneducated. Many of them couldn't read. And so not just in that age, but in in many generations that followed. And God understood that. And so the majority of people throughout history uh, had to be able to read something that was easy to understand. And many people kind of buy into this notion that you've got to be a scholar or you've got to have gone to Bible college to ever read or understand the book of Revelation. And again, nothing could be further from the truth. And here's the reason why. The Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit, uh, again, it's, it's to guide us. It is to teach us all things. The role of the Holy Spirit is it's to remind us of everything Jesus said, everything Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit's role is to testify concerning Jesus. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit testifying of the things of Jesus, what I mean by that is what what does Jesus think? What does Jesus feel? What did Jesus do? What does he do? That's the role of testifying, it gives witness to what Jesus thinks, what he feels, what he does. The Holy Spirit, again, guides us into all truth. He tells us things that are to come. He glorifies Jesus. He reveals the deep things of God to us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so you can have total confidence in learning and understanding this particular book of the Bible, not because we're such great learners, but because the Holy Spirit is such a great teacher, amen? So the book of Revelation is written by the last remaining living disciple uh, that walked with Jesus while Jesus was on the earth, John. Again, it's written 60 years after uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. John receives this revelation while he is banished and serving a hard sentence on the island of Patmos concerning, uh, he had been sent there concerning his witness, his testimony, concerning the life, the ministry, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They couldn't shut him up. Historians say that they they tried to burn John in a vat of boiling oil. They put him in there, he would not die. So they figured the best next thing to do is just banish him, put him somewhere where he could never be around people. The book of Revelation, it's mainly, again, it's a revealing of Jesus Christ. You could say the book of Revelation or you could say the the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It reveals certain dimensions of Jesus's infinite beauty, his eternal majesty, his unparalleled power, his coming kingdom. He also reveals God's battle plan to defeat Satan, to bring heaven and earth together. This revelation, this unveiling, this revealing of Jesus Christ is not only precious to the Father's heart, but we have to understand it is a gift of the Father to us, the local church. Jesus is revealed in such a way that prepares the church, it motivates the church to overcome in victory and to prevail through the unfolding events of the end times in great victory. This book, the book of Revelation, will have its greatest impact, its greatest influence upon the generation, the people uh, who are alive just prior to the second coming of Jesus. It has much to say to us leading up to that, but its greatest impact, its greatest influence will be upon that final generation, that final uh, age of people who are alive Just prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because, again, it will will reveal, here's how we overcome in these times of great tribulation. You you think what we're going through now is rough? You wait. It's gonna get a lot rougher. As a matter of fact, can can I just tell you something? The... The time before the Antichrist comes, and and we know that they're uh, based upon the book of Revelation, that there's gonna come a time where where, uh, the Antichrist uh, is, is going to come, and it's gonna be a man. And this man is going to come at a time where there is just unparalleled chaos, confusion, upheaval, violence, things are gonna be in great turmoil. Everything that that is right is just gonna be turned on its head. It's it's just gonna be great pandemonium. And it's gonna be worldwide. It's not just gonna be in one place, it's going to be everywhere. It will be worldwide chaos. It'll kinda be what we're going through right now, times a thousand. And what's going to happen is this man, this Antichrist, is going to come onto that scene, into that situation, and he's going to have perfect answers, perfect solutions, things that are going to usher in peace. Some of that will be agreeable, some of that will be acceptable, some of that we're gonna be able to jump on board with and go with, but I'm gonna tell you what, there are also gonna be parts of that that are gonna, if we do it, are gonna violate our faith. There are things that are gonna be required of us to do that are gonna call us out of obedience to Christ. And that's where we're gonna have to make a stand. That's where we're gonna have to make a decision. I know a lot of us struggle with you know, a lot of the the demands or the expectations or the requirements or the suggestions, I mean, whatever they are. I I know that a lot of us struggle with that. I mean, we've seen that with the face mask. I mean, you got people that are violently opposed to that. You got people that are, you know, just militaristic about people wearing them. And then you've got those of us that are kind of in the middle of that. Well, there just are gonna come solutions from the Antichrist that are gonna seem very, very reasonable to the unbelieving world. And they're gonna look at us Christians and they're gonna go, why can't you just, do, why can't you just go along? It, it's, gonna, it's gonna bring peace, it's gonna bring unity. I don't know what it's gonna be. It may be microchips, I don't know. But it's gonna be something, it's gonna be a number of things that, that to the world, it's gonna just look like it makes sense. Do it. It's, it brings peace. It's gonna usher in peace. It's gonna bring unity. It's gonna bring, you know, harmony. I mean, why can't you just do it? And, and, and then they're gonna begin to persecute the, the, the church that just won't go along with everything they want us to go along with with. That's why this book will be so important in that generation, because it's going to show the church going through those end times how to to be victorious. That's why I want to preach on this, because it it has application now, powerful application now, but it will have even greater uh, influence and impact and power in that final generation. Now, the uh, book of Revelation, these seven letters are written uh, to seven churches. And I, I want you to understand, it's not just to, in, in terms of pertaining to those seven historical churches. What Jesus has to say to these seven churches, it's not just directed at and limited to them. It, it starts there, and it is intended to kind of reverberate outwardly. So the message Jesus has for them is both specific and in general to all churches everywhere, in every age, in every culture, for every believer. Um, so um what these messages are is they start at a specific church but they're really intended for the global body of Christ. What was given to those seven churches kind of started there with the intent that it would reverberate throughout the ages and we're, we're a part of that reverberation today. What, what Jesus was saying to those churches then is what Jesus is saying to the church today. Just as you have the book of Romans, you know, Paul wrote that to a specific body of believers there in the church at Rome. But it was also used by God to teach and to equip the global body of Christ in every nation, every culture for the past 2,000 years. And the same is true. For these seven letters to the seven churches there on the west coast of Asia Minor. They start off in seven churches and then it just spreads throughout the global body of Christ reaching and impacting you and me here today. Now, one of the interesting things I find about the seven churches referred to there in Revelation is that none of these seven churches are located within the physical uh, land of Israel. They're not specifically you know, associated with any of the 12 tribes of Israel, although I'm sure there are Messianic believers in every one of those seven congregations. I just find it interesting that these seven churches are located about 600 miles away from Jerusalem. The book of Revelation is the only book that really kind of gives its own outline. In chapter one, verse 19, uh, John was told by the risen Christ, he said, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Now that would be, again, a divine division of this book. So he, he says to John, Write the things which you have seen. Now, what he's referring to is chapter one. John sees the resurrected, glorified Christ, and he describes what he sees there in chapter one. That is what he is referring to there when he says, write the things which you have seen. Then he says, write the things which are, and again, he's specifically telling John, you're gonna write seven letters to seven churches. Uh, Those are the things which are, uh, and, and that's what he's referring to. There. And then he says, and then write the things which uh, will take place after these. And that's Revelation four through 22. And again, that is God's battle plan for the end times. Um, how, how he's gonna bring the church through that victoriously. How he's gonna usher in uh, a new heaven uh, and a new earth. So again, these um, are, are the, this is kind of the, what we would call that divine division of the book. Also, another interesting dimension to these seven letters to the seven churches is that they have both an individual as well as a corporate um, application. So we're told in, in verse seven, it says, he who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, he, the word he and him there is referring to an individual. The churches are referring, again, to the corporate body of Christ. So John is saying to us, these seven letters have both a personal um, Message, application, as well as a corporate, the body of Christ, message and application. Now in Revelation chapter one, and and again, I I just encourage you, go back and, and read that. John is describing what he has seen. And and again, this is his encounter with the risen, glorified Christ. And one of the things that John sees in that is he sees that Jesus is standing in the midst of seven lampstands. Now, later in chapter one, Jesus tells John what those lampstands represented and those lampstands represented the seven churches John was being instructed to write the letters to. Now, the reason these churches, these seven churches are referred to as lampstand churches, the reason you see Jesus standing in the midst of this, these lampstands is that each of these seven churches were what we would call lampstand ministries. They were lampstand churches. And what I mean by that is, is they had an anointing of influence. They had divine impact, not just upon their area, not just upon their region, but these seven churches had influence around the world, beyond their local congregation. So these seven churches that John is being told to write to, they were extremely well known, they were very, very influential and extremely impactful. That's, they were lampstand ministries. And one of the things that you'll find in here is one of the consequences of the churches not repenting, that we're called to repentance, that would not change, that we're called to change, is Jesus said, I'm going to remove your lampstand. And what he's saying there is, I'm going to remove your influence. I'm going to remove your godly impact. I'm going to remove your anointing. There are a lot of churches today, a lot of denominations that at one time were lampstand ministries, churches, denominations. They have strayed from the truth. The churches remain, but God has removed the lampstand. They no longer have the influence, the anointing, the impact they once did. I'm not gonna name names, that's not my place to do that. I'm not up here to judge, Uh, but you know, you see, Um, those churches. We've watched those denominations stray from the church or stray from the truth. And what God does is he doesn't doesn't remove the churches. He just removes their influence, their anointing, and their impact. So again, these were very, very well-known, very influential churches. Ephesus, for example, was kind of known as the Revival Center. And it was kind of third um, in prominent um, uh, a third to uh, the church in Asia, um, in Jerusalem, and there in Antioch. And, and so again, um, these seven letters to these seven churches are so important. And the reason I wanna take time to preach on them and talk about them, the reason they are so relevant to us today um, over 2,000 years later is because the challenges those churches faced are the same challenges we as churches face today. The keys to overcoming those challenges as well as the rewards that come to those churches who repent that needed to repent, that change that needed to change, the rewards that came to those churches, those are our rewards as well. When we heed the vice the advice, when we hear with spiritual ears, see with spiritual eyes what God is saying, what God is doing, again, we receive the same thing those churches received in the way we respond. Does that make sense? So they are the same seven challenges every church in every culture, in every generation, in every age has faced. What they faced back over 2000 years ago are the same things we are gonna face um, today and it is the same thing the churches will face in the future the things that they did to overcome, the rewards, all of that, it's the same. The temptation, the potential again, um, is, is to not read, to not heed, to not listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So, for example, when you get into the letter of Ephesus, what was their downfall? Anybody remember what Jesus had against them in Ephesus? Yeah, they left their first love. As we, as we get into this, there's a lot that Jesus commends. We're going to talk about what, what did Jesus commend, but his criticism, his condemnation of the church, criticism is a better word. His criticism of the church was you lost your first love. Beloved, that is a temptation for every church to lose our first love in Jesus. It's why Paul specifically writes to that church, here is the issue Ephesus is gonna have, and it's not just gonna be Ephesus, it's gonna be every church in every generation in every culture. You look at the church of uh, Thyatira, what was their downfall? Sexual immorality. Is sexual immorality a problem in the church today? Oh, you bet it is. And so Jesus uses the issues, the struggles, the challenges the church of Thyatira was facing there because he knew every church in every generation and every culture is going to face the same thing. And if you'll repent and if you'll change, you'll receive the same reward, the same blessing. But if not, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to remove your anointing, your impact, your influence. This is why this is so important. So that's just kind of a